You know, David Page said something to me this morning, something crazy. He said, I watch you when you preach and you keep on bending down to the floor to pick up your water. Why don't you put it on a table? (laughs) 25 years, I'd never thought of that. So I've I've now got a table for my water. It's fantastic, isn't it? So we're looking this morning uh, at the topic of forgiveness. And if you haven't been coming along recently... We've been looking at different themes to help us as a church community be church together. It's under the trendy modern thing of hashtag we are church. I don't do hashtags, but I know it's trendy and modern. Uh, And we've been looking at all different themes over the weeks. And this morning we're looking at the idea of forgiveness and how forgiveness will help us be church together. And I need to start off, to be honest, by uh, asking you lot for forgiveness. You see, I've not really prepared my sermon as I'd like to have prepared it, because I I was playing golf yesterday. It took up an awful lot of time. Uh, So can I have your forgiveness for that? No, no. Well, I tell you what, how about if I add a bit more on to it? You know, you know Bethany was, was having her How to Life event, and we had four Americans staying with us on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I had to help look after them. Does that warrant forgiveness? A bit, a bit. Okay, okay, last case. As you may know, we've been, had a baby living with us for a couple of months. She's now five months old, and I've not slept for weeks. <laughs> I'm shattered. Does that warrant your forgiveness? Yeah. Stella. Stella needs it as well. Yeah, Stella needs it as well. You see, it's interesting, you know, when it comes to forgiveness. You know, I'm asking the question, do I deserve it? And when I'm out playing golf, and that's my own fault, isn't it? I don't deserve forgiveness, do I? But when I'm doing something for others, maybe I do. And we tend to work out forgiveness based on a a merit situation. But I came across this this really wise, humble and good-looking man who, who once said these words. He said, forgiveness is not based on whether it's deserved. You've got good eyesight, Mary, have you? You've got good... I think the man was called Rob Milton. They said that. There's profound words. But it's really, really important that we grasp that concept. Forgiveness is not based on whether it's deserved. And that is great news. That is great news that forgiveness is not based on whether it's deserved. So we're going to look at forgiveness this morning. And I'm going to look at it two ways. I'm going to, you know, give you the the carrot and I'm going to give you the the stick. So we'll start off with the stick. It seems better to start off beating you and then give you a carrot afterwards. I think that's the the, the best way of doing it. So if I was to summarise our reading this morning, so wonderfully revealed to us in that sketch, which, to be honest, uh, it was going to be done by our youth who spent all last week practising it, and then bottled it this morning. Um, and so the, the, the older youth, if I can call Hannah youth, uh, stepped up. And they stepped up with about three minutes notice. So, you know, it wasn't all that bad for three minutes notice. But if I could summarise, you know, the, the teaching of that sketch this morning, it would be, the summary of Jesus' teaching would be, 
You better forgive your ungrateful wretches, otherwise you'll be in trouble. It's quite harsh, that, isn't it? It's, it's quite harsh, to, but that is a, a kind of fair summary of, of that sketch. Jesus is saying to his followers, Peter asks him the question. We don't see that in the sketch, in the, uh, but in the reading, if you look, turn to it yourself, you, you'll see that Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody? Seven times? I think Peter thought he was doing well with that statement. Seven times? And Jesus basically says to him, Peter, you have to carry on forgiving somebody forever. What? What? And he goes on to tell the story. So let me give you the, the, the stick a little bit here when it comes to uh, why we need to look at forgiving. And the main thing we have to look at, the reason we have to consider why we need to forgive, is when we reflect, we're told us in the Bible, about how much God has forgiven us. We touched a bit on this actually just on Wednesday night at Discipleship Group. So for those of you at Discipleship, you'll go, I know about this, Rob, this is, this is boring. But anyway, for everybody else, we're told in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And that word wages can be translated that the consequences of sin is death, or what sin earns is death, or the result of sin is death. But we're also told in John chapter 3 and verse 16, for God so loved you guys. It says the world, but we'll make, we'll make it Christchurch Southport. For God so loved you that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. You know, I need to stop paraphrasing and just say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in what he has done shall not die, but will live forever. And what we get when we put these verses together, we get a wonderful love story. We get a love story of the fact that the consequences of sin is death. And we know that none of us is perfect. We're also told that in Romans 3 and 23. For all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. We do not reach perfection. We do not reach the standard required to have a relationship with God now and for eternity. But because of God's love for us, while we were still sinners, while we were still separated from God, he came and he died for us. He paid the penalty for sin and the wages of sin is death. And Christ paid that penalty so that we could have a relationship with God, now and forever. And we're told in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9, For it is by grace that you've been saved, through faith, that not by yourself, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There's a man called uh, Ravi Zacharias, and he says this, One of the most staggering truths of the scriptures is to understand that we do not earn our way to heaven. Work has a place, but as a demonstration of having received God's forgiveness, 
not as a badge of merit of having earned it. So we do not earn God's forgiveness, we receive it. And as a response to receiving God's forgiveness, we live out lives which contain good works. But the Bible is clear that we cannot be good enough to earn our relationship with God. It's a gift. And this morning, God says to each one of us, step into this gift. Step in, we call it faith. Take a step of faith. Walk in to this relationship with God. Accept God's forgiveness and see what happens when you begin a relationship with God. That is the forgiveness that God offers to us now and forever. And it's a wonderful situation. Last Sunday we sang a song and it said, The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. Forgiveness is free, but it costs a lot. Forgiveness is offered to all of us by God, free of charge, but it cost him his life. And in the Lord's Prayer, we get this saying. It says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation. It's the only part of the Lord's Prayer that that contains a condition. That we are encouraged to forgive, you know, as we realise that God has forgiven us. So I want to be clear here this morning that each of us has a decision to make. You either accept God's forgiveness or you reject it. And if you say, well, I'm not rejecting it. If you're not accepting it, the default position, unfortunately, is rejection. That can change at any point in time. At any point in time in the future, you can choose to accept God's forgiveness. But there's consequences on all of us of the decision we make with regards to God's forgiveness. If we choose to accept God's forgiveness, we enter into the opportunity that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10, one of the Gospels. And in John chapter 10 and verse 10, we've got it on a chalkboard in the rewelcome area. It says, I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. We were designed to live our lives with God. And if we want to have abundant life, the teaching of the scriptures, the teaching of Jesus says, if you want to have overflowing life, life in its fullness, enter into relationship with me. Accept the free gift that I'm offering you. Accept my forgiveness. And we will start a relationship together. And that relationship gives us life and abundance on earth and life and abundance with Christ forever or as the Bible calls it, eternity. That is the option available. And if you choose to say, I am not doing that, I am not accepting God's forgiveness, I'm going to go my way, I'm going to try and earn it or do whatever I want, you are choosing to reject that relationship with God now and forever. It's as simple as that. God will not force your hand. So forgiveness is vital. It's offered to us freely by God, but cost him a fortune. Let me turn it around a bit. Let me look at forgiveness from another side. Let me look at forgiveness with regards to how we can and should forgive others. 
David mentioned in his sermon last week, Colossians 3 verse 12. You remember mentioning that, won't you, David? Yeah? And Colossians 3 verse 12 says this, Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. So if you are a Christian this morning, you are commanded to forgive. It's not an option. It's not a choice. It's not a lifestyle situation. It is a command from the Bible, from Jesus, that we are commanded to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And we're commanded in the Lord's Prayer as well, from the words of Jesus. But let me uh, turn it on its head and give you the carrot. You know, why should you forgive? What's the benefit of forgiving people? Why should I go down that line? I don't want to, so why should I? Well, forgiveness does a couple of things. Forgiveness, number one, protects your heart. Forgiveness is not primarily about the other person. You can forgive somebody and they may never know that you've forgiven them. They may never know that they've even ever upset you. You know, you may not have the right to forgive them or they may not have done anything wrong. It doesn't matter. You know, it's not primarily about them. It's about you. In this parable that we read at the end of it, it says that the, the ungrateful servant was turned over and was tormented or tortured. Either word uh, in English you know, is similar, but the, the Greek word means spiritual turmoil. The, they were turned over and it affected who they were. It affected their spirit. It upset them. It caused them problems. And we know that. We know the consequences of unforgiveness. We see it in our society. It's a natural product. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness. It leads to anger. It leads to revenge. It leads to a, a spoiled life. It leads to a corrupted life. So forgiving others protects your heart. We're told in the Bible that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, self-control, kindness, goodness. You don't get these things with a heart that's filled with bitterness and unforgiveness. Hence the reason that we are commanded to forgive. Forgiveness protects your heart. And we see the consequences of not forgiving. I was uh, speaking to June Poole, who used to be part of this church. She moved away about two months ago. And uh, over a year ago, uh, I was chatting to her about this subject. And she, she was talking to me and saying, you know, I cannot forgive my sister. And uh, uh, she's given me the authority to tell you this story. In fact, she wrote it out to me, about four pages worth of the whole story. She wrote it out for me to tell, but I'm not going to spend half an hour telling you the whole story. I'll give you the summary. She could not forgive her sister. And for decades, she was not in speaking terms with her sister. And you know, it got to the point in that relationship that they couldn't even remember the exact reasons why they weren't speaking. It was so long ago, but they knew they weren't liking each other and weren't speaking. And we had a chat over a year ago and she decided that she needed to forgive. Whether her sister deserved it or not. And probably at that time, June felt she didn't. But she decided to forgive and opened up dialogue. And about six months later, she came to me again and said, Robert, you will not believe the transformation in my life. Myself and my sister are so close, I cannot understand it. 
Surprise, surprise, there was miscommunication. Surprise, surprise, it wasn't all one-sided. Surprise, surprise, the other person didn't fully understand what was happening in the other person's life. But with the attitude of forgiveness, relationship has been restored. And she came to me and said, I, I cannot express to you the transformation that this has caused in my life. It is wonderful, it is amazing, it is gobsmacking. Because she made an action of will. Forgiveness is not about feelings, it's a choice of will. And she chose to forgive. I was chatting after the first service to a few people who mentioned uh, Lynn Connolly, who is a, a, so happens to be a Christian. I don't think that's vitally important, but she is a Christian in Liverpool whose son was killed, was stabbed as he got out of a car. And she chose to form a prison ministry to go into the prisons and to show God's love to these people who were in prison for murder and for stabbings. And she was told by prisoners that you have saved so many lives. She said, because I was going to go out and get revenge for what happened to me. And through her ability to forgive the person who murdered her son, she is doing wonderful things because of that. So forgiveness is about protecting your heart. I want to give you a quote from Agnes Sanford. That's not our Agnes, although I'd imagine that our Agnes would think the same thing. Your second name, not Sanford, is it? No, no. It says this, As we practice the work of forgiveness, we discover more and more that forgiveness and healing are one. As we practice the work of forgiveness, we discover more and more that forgiveness and healing are one. If you want to be a whole person, if you want to be a person that can move on in your life, that not get stuck in the past, be stuck in Groundhog Day, unable to move out of previous events, then we need to learn forgiveness. It is a command. And it's a command for lots of reasons. It's a command because it's the best thing for us to do in order to live life in abundance. But let me give you another angle on it. Forgiveness also protects and allows our relationship with God to grow. Your relationship with God cannot grow if you harbour or keep unforgiveness in your heart. You are rebelling against the command of God. God commands you to forgive. And if you say, stuff you God, I'm not forgiving, you can understand how that causes relationship problems with God. In fact, it's even worse than that. Because at the end of the sketch, the king, Megan, says, if you do not forgive others, I will not forgive you. What? That's a bit harsh. You don't know what others have done to me. You don't know what life I've lived, what's happened to me, how I've been treated. Yet God says, and I don't fully understand what that means. I don't. It seems ridiculous. But I understand that God has really cheesed off with us if we don't forgive. I understand that. I can get that from it. God says, if you don't forgive, you're in trouble. I'm not impressed. Yeah? And I would suggest that you don't want to be on this area of your life 
where you're not impressing God, that you're cheesing God off. I would suggest that's not a good place to live. I would suggest it's far better to be across here in the part of life that says, forgive as I have forgiven you. Because in that way, we can live close with God. When your attitude is one of anger, resentment, bitterness, revenge, you can understand how that doesn't ingratiate you to living a life close to God. It produces attitudes that are contrary to the attitude of the fruit of the Spirit, of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, all these things. So if you want to grow your relationship with God, we need to be people that have an attitude of forgiveness. If you want life in abundance, we need to be people who have an attitude of forgiveness. I want to tell you a story about a man. And he's a man called uh, Watchman Me. And he's a a Chinese guy. And Watchman Me was born at the turn of the, the last century. And at 15 years old, he made the decision to become a Christian. He made a decision that he wanted to follow Jesus Christ. He didn't know an awful lot about what that meant there, but he made that decision. By the early 20s, the early 1920s, when he was in his 20s, he decided to give his entire life over to telling others in China about Christianity, about Jesus the Saviour, was his key phrase. And the rest of his life he did that. He got abused. He got abused by the, the church for being a bit too keen sometimes. He got abused by the state and persecuted by the state. And in the 1950s, when Mao Tse Tung came to prominence and, and uh, you know, China changed, uh, he was arrested, he was put in prison, and then he was murdered after 17 years in prison. And this is what he says. Frequently, the enemy entices Christians to harbour an unforgiving spirit. A very common symptom indeed among God's children. Such bitterness and fault finding and enmity inflicts a severe blow upon spiritual life. Such bitterness, fault finding and enmity inflicts a severe blow on spiritual life. He's saying if you want to live a spiritual life, if you want to live a godly life, you have to live a life of forgiveness. It may feel contrary to human nature, but it's not contrary to God's nature. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. On the cross, Jesus stands there, arms apart, and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, these guys that are murdering me, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is our example. And one final point on this forgiveness thing. Probably the hardest person often to forgive is yourself. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says this, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. My dad used to say, God has taken our sins and thrown them in a pond and put up a sign saying no fishing. We sang a song in the first service that said as far as the east is from the west, that's how far 
you have removed my transgressions from me. And all these points I'm making here is to say, God doesn't hold your transgressions against you when you've come to him and asked for forgiveness. He says, listen, my son died for you. Your sins are are, are no longer an issue to me because you've accepted what Jesus did. So if they're no longer an issue to God, do not make them an issue for you. Now understand, I'm not encouraging anybody to go on sinning. That's in rebellion to God. I'm saying you deal with it and you move on in your life. We do not live a life captured to the past, to the sins of the past, to the wrongdoing. We've all stuffed up in the past. We say, I'm sorry, God, and we move on. I know your death is taken care of that. I am not going to live captured, trapped in that past. And, you know, for our church community, our vision, one of the parts is making community and reaching out to those around us. We need to be a church which examples and exemplifies forgiveness. In, our, uh, in the, the bulletin, I put a quote by a lady called Patricia Ennis. And she says, The choice to withhold forgiveness slowly but effectively destroys family unity. And I would suggest that we don't want to be a family that is slowly destroying our unity. We want to be a family that's doing the opposite of that. And a key component is that we forgive each other. We don't judge each other. We don't know why they've done what they've done, the life they're living, the problems they've got. You know, we don't have to in order to forgive. We just forgive. We have that attitude. Because that attitude is countercultural and will draw people in to, to look more at what this means to be living as family and living as God wants us to live. And I want to encourage us this morning, I want to encourage you to do two things today. I want to encourage you, if you have never ever in your life so far received for yourself God's forgiveness, there is an opportunity for you this morning to begin an abundant life, to begin life with Jesus Christ. You don't know what that entails, because the Maltese song said that the walk of a, of a thousand miles begins a single step. But you have to start taking that step in order to develop that relationship. And it's a gift offered to you at no cost to yourself, at tremendous cost for God. And he says this morning, accept my forgiveness and start a relationship with me. And if you're somebody that's done that, I want to challenge you this morning about how we are living that out. Are we people that characterize forgiveness so that we can be the salt and the light and the ambassadors that God calls us to be? That people look at you and look at me and see people that are filled with forgiveness because that is transforming. I'm going to ask the, the music team I do, I can do that, Simon? Uh, yeah. I'm going to ask the music team to come, come back up. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to go across to this side. So there's going to be four or five people across here, maybe five or six. You'll know because they're moving now uh, across there. Uh, to, and if you want prayer for anything this morning, if there's anything that's been said that's on your mind that you want praying about, 
you know, something to do with what I've said or something completely different. If you've got somebody in your life that you want praying for or if you've got any physical or emotional ailments that you want praying for, we believe in a God who engages with us, who heals in the past, present and future. So if there's anything you'd like praying for, you know, with reference to what I've talked about or anything else, you know, these guys are way across there and I'm going to join them. And please, during this next stint of, of worship led by Mark and the band, please come forward for prayer. Let me just pray before we move into worship. Father, I, I thank you this morning that you don't judge us based on what we deserve, but you judge us based on grace, based on love, based on compassion. And you say, I love you. I want to have a relationship with you. And I want it so much that I'm willing to die to make that possible. Lord, I pray that we can allow that thought to sink into our hearts and minds and souls this morning. And that we may live our lives, you know, out of that joy and out of that base. That we are secure in you because of your love for us. Amen.